We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. We're going to continue this week uh, on reviewing what God's been saying to us because it is so important, so important that we catch what God is saying. It's always important, but if you get the prophet of God come along like Bernard did and started off by saying, I have something very serious to say. It somehow kind of captures your attention and think, oh, one minute, let's make sure. I'm, the word of God is always serious, but when somebody introduces it like that, you think, hmm, what is this going to be? And last week we spent some time uh, reviewing that. Jamie took us through um, more of what Bernard said. This week we want to uh, take seriously some of the things that um, Terry brought to us, uh, particularly for those of us at the Leaders Weekend, which have made available to you uh, via the uh, briefing thing or whatever it's called. Nutshell. What's it? What, how did we do it? What's it? Where it's all that you can. Leaders. Okay. Well, that will come to everybody. So, um, so you all have the opportunity to set next week. By the way, uh, Hilton Albert's coming. Uh, he's an interesting character, is Hilton. We walked together for probably about thirty years now. And uh, remember, Hilton was the one who turned up when we did that. What was it we did that? 40 years, yeah. And remember, the, it was all those little film clips that you got secretly done around the network. And then somebody said, well, yeah, um, sorry they couldn't all be here except for one. And then the doors opened and Hilton Albert walked in who'd been kept hidden for some days. Poor guy wasn't even allowed to come to the meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to have fun. So he heard uh, that I'd been facing a bit of a health challenge and he said, I'm coming to see you. And I said, yeah, Hilton, you don't need to do that. He said, well, kind of what you were doing it. I didn't have anything much more to say after that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's Hilton. So he'll be with us next week. And uh, so we really want to take very seriously, and part of taking it seriously is looking into it to seek to see where does it apply? What, what adjustments, what additions do we need because God has spoken to us, because we receive it as God's word, uh, and that's what we're going to try and do today. So, so it, it kind of felt like um, when Bernard was, was talking that we'd... There's been, we've been on a journey as a people, and it's almost like the, the last 40 years have got us to this point, and it's a moment of decision. The ball cannot remain there. It won't stay balanced. It will tip forward or tip backward. If we roll forwards, we are embracing our birthright. We're talking about being people of the Spirit and having the Spirit break out out of us. And that, to me, is just absolutely incredible. That would be um, the... the the terror and joy combination that we've talked about 
um, the idea of the, the bottom falling out of our world. So there's a real good carrot one side. The alternative is we roll backwards, back from where we've come from. And this is about pursuing the blessing. This is about continuing the form and effectively becoming a denomination going forward. And I believe that there is something that we are, we're in a position now, we've, we've got to make that decision. Are we going to roll forward or roll backwards? And we can't just not decide because indecision is a decision in itself. So what is the, the voice that rolls backwards is the same voice that disregards the birthright. And it, and it sounds a little bit like this. I feel so tired after work, I've not got the energy to see. It sounds like this. But where's my position? Where's my recognition? It sounds like this. This time is my time. Or it sounds like this. Well, I had the couple to, to dinner. We didn't really talk about anything much. I had no idea they were in real crisis. Or it sounds like this. I just want to hang out with the people that I find relaxing to be around. Have you ever heard yourself say something like that? Now, we might be able to stop it coming out of our mouths because we know it's wrong, but it will still seep out of our pores, that kind of position. And it's a very serious moment that God's given us, saying, are you going to roll forward or are you going to roll backwards? Are you going to build on all that has been brought to you at this point, all that's been demonstrated to us, or are we going to forget that and go for what is easy? Paul gave an example of someone that was grasping the birthright when he commended Timothy in 2 Philippians. He talked about there's no one else like this that has the same concerns for you. Everyone else is concerned for themselves, but he's concerned for the things of Christ. When I talked about last week, trying to think, what is the birthright that God's allowed me to see in John, my father, when he's jumping out of a moving car, and he's saying, if I can just save that marriage for the sake of the kingdom, it's that love for the kingdom that Paul sees in Timothy. It means that Timothy could be sent on behalf of Paul. So Bernard started his talk, he talked about the guy um, that he was counselling, he was doing some um, marriage counselling, and you remember he said his advice was so good, he wished that he was sitting next to himself writing notes, and he thought, well, that sorted him out, we've straightened him out, everything's sorted now, and then the next week, the guy runs off with someone else, and he's like, God, why, why, I thought that was, why would you give me such excellent advice, such anointed advice, and for him to ignore it? And God said to him, because I wanted to leave him without excuse. I believe God is leaving us without an excuse. We've seen enough, we've experienced enough, and we've got an invitation to intimacy. He's, in his mercy, helping us hear what it means like to disregard the birthrights, and what it means like what it means to embrace the birthright so that we can sort ourselves out, so we can repent. By the grace of God, we can be changed. And it is only by the grace of God. I can't choose his way unless he is doing something in me to soften my heart towards it. It's magnetism that draws me towards him. Over the last week, I had a number of different conversations where I see the grace of God working, draw us, calls people to tip forward. I heard someone was saying, they realized that their, their heart was was fairly hard or cold towards some people. And they just felt God say to them, are you okay with that? So it wasn't like a big shouting at you. It was just a, are you, are you happy with that? Are you comfortable with that? And there was something of the, the grace of God's just drawing something. You remember I used that illustration last week of the sandcastle. It looks all big and mighty. It doesn't take a big wave to knock it down, just gentle lapping away at the ends, undermining the fortified position. I think God's grace is doing that. Someone else I was talking to said, 
I feel that I need to, to, to make a challenge or, ch- or address something that I've heard, but oh, I so don't want to do it. And then they said, the thought just came to them, but I can't not do it. I've, I've got to grow up. That's the call of God. That's the grace of God. When I was talking to someone else, they were saying, I'm so bothered that the, these guys aren't getting it. That, that's the grace of God working in you, causing you not to be okay with something. It's only by the grace of God that we can tip forward, but his grace is coming for us. We still have to make a decision. Sometimes God speaks to us by simply asking a question. And it doesn't have to give an answer. It's the very question that a kind of arrests us. When he was saying that, I remembered a question that God asked me many years ago. Uh, and uh, I was driving. I was in the car on my own on the M20, returning back towards London. And it was very definitely the voice of God that said this. If you have the biggest ministry, the most extensive ministry, but your own sons were not walking with me, how would you feel? It was a question that there was no need for an answer. See, the question's from God because he wants a sometimes question to enable us to actually get focused in the right direction. It put a God-given restriction upon me for the rest of my life. Just one thing, just one word from God. That's all in a situation that can transform, change our life. That's why the critical nature of hearing what God's saying and responding to it and not being in a kind of, I don't know, semi-conscious state where it can just wash over us is so vital and so important. And God is speaking to us about his presence and about the power of his presence and the wonder of his presence. Of course, it's, it's primarily about who he is, not just what he does. Uh, otherwise, we miss the thing. We, we actually end up, the very thing that Bernard was warning about, don't pursue the blessing and miss the birthright. Birthright is the essential DNA of God, that we receive the very nature and character of God. So it's what, what he is, not what he does. And uh, in Isaiah 6, there's this very familiar uh, scripture that demonstrates that the presence of God transforms us. You cannot, you cannot be refreshed in the presence of God and not come out something different. At least having a heart that's somehow warm towards your brothers and sisters because it's part of what God has placed in us. It, it's, you can't separate those things. The presence of God is, is transforming. In Isaiah 6, you read, uh, and I won't go through the story, but you go through this, um, this story, I saw the Lord. And he says, I, I saw the Lord. And then there's a great alarm because actually, he said, I'm a sinful man and I've seen the Lord. I'm, I'm done for, I'm dead, I'm finished. But then you get this thing about the, 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 the it's a strange picture about the hot stone from the altar and all that sort of thing. But it's basically, you come into a place of worship. And, and the worship, that, that's a, an indication of worship, giving to God. And that has a transforming effect. That's why it's very key that we come first and we worship him. Now, I don't mean to say it's got to be that you can't share in the word beforehand. I'm talking about not first in order, but first in priority. That we worship him. It's a transforming thing. It's very, very difficult to actually be, be in the presence of God, worship God, and something not prepare you. The worship, it washes. It sort of has that profound effect. And then his presence changes. So here's somebody who's coming from, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I am a, a, an unclean person. And I've seen the Lord. That's, that's curtains for me. 
to actually, and it, those of you familiar with the scripture in, in uh, Isaiah 6, was, here am I, Lord, send me. What a transformation. See, the presence of God is utterly transforming. He's not trying to learn something or trying to uh, embrace some doctrine. It's the reality of meeting with him. Oh, there is nothing, nothing, nothing in this world that replaces the reality and joy of being in the presence of God. Anybody agree? Yeah. And God is saying, I've got more for you. I, I, I want you to come more. I want you to experience more. You really catch the birthright in greater measure. When we were away with the leaders, uh, I shared... I, want, I don't want to go all through the story now, but there are some amazing pictures. And remember, everything that's in the Bible, God says it's for our present instruction and help. And I read this, I, I went through this story of, um, in 1 Samuel, there's chapters 9, 10, into 11. Uh, and it's about the calling of Saul. And, and it, I just let me run that through quickly with you because it's an amazing thing. So it talks about Saul. It starts off by saying uh, his father somebody notable and then goes on saying and he was something because he was tall. So you got all this thing about his father and then the best thing I could say about him was he was, he was taller than most. Anyway, his father gives him the job to go and find the missing donkeys. Now, it's not a high-profile high job. You know, if you're, if you're sort of suffering from a little bit of sort of insecurity, personal identity, uh, this is a task, yeah, all right, well, can't give you anything much else to do, but go and find where the donkeys have gone. And unfortunately, he looks everywhere and he can't find them. And so he then says to his servant, oh, I think we'd best go back to Daddy. The servant then begins to give him the instruction. He says, no, um, uh, let's go and see this prophet. He might be able to tell us. And then you've got another problem. He says, oh, well, I haven't got anything to give him because it's the tradition to give him something. So the servant comes up with a bit of money to give to, give to the prophet. It was the tradition in those, in those times. So the story goes on. He's then asking the way, finds some girls carrying water. And I give him thing where the prophet is. Well, I can't find a prophet. In the end, he goes to somebody and, and, and says, uh, can you tell me where the prophet is? And he doesn't realise he's speaking to the prophet at that time. I mean, he is not the sharpest tool in the box. You know, he's, he's, he, he's not looking good. And then the prophet begins to talk to him. He says, oh, no, no. He said, I, um, I'm, a, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. And this is the smallest tribe. And we're the smallest clan in the tribe. I mean... Then he gets anointed, gets this amazing um, declaration and recognition. And then he comes back and he talks to his uncle. Now, this has been an amazing thing. I mean, all the people are saying, long live the king, and he's anointed by the prophet, and all these things happening. And he's, he comes back to tell his uncle what happened. Oh, he said, uncle, I found the donkeys, or the donkeys have been found. Just one minute, this guy, he... he if ever there was a hopeless case, is basically only focused on the thing that he can't do. 
find the donkeys, but somebody else has found them and the prophet tells it. That's what he tells his uncle. Anyway, the time comes for him to be recognised, kind of like his coronation, I suppose. Can't find him. Eventually, somebody finds him. He's hiding amongst the baggage. Uh, what I'm saying, you, you get in the picture, aren't you? He's not the most likely lad. He's a bit of a bit of a failure. There's all the people shouting, "Long live the king!" There were a few that had a different view. How can this fellow save us? Then jump down. We jump down to the next chapter, and uh, the children of Israel are attacked, or part of them, and they ask for help and. When he hears the terms of the enemy, yes, I will, uh, I will not destroy you, but I will have to gouge out the right eye of each one of you. So he hears this, and he's just in the field with the oxen. I mean, he's not doing king stuff. And it says here, the Spirit of God, what we call the growl of the Holy Ghost, came upon him. The transforming presence of God came upon him. And immediately he becomes a leader, an organiser, a champion, one who can actually take and make the absolute difference. And of course is, is raised up to resolve the whole situation in a, in a great triumph over the enemy. Now we're talking a dramatic situation. God's presence is no different. When God's presence comes upon us, oh yeah, we have to, we have to respond and, and step out. That's the whole point of faith. But it's key to understand that it's his presence that changes us in the same way as it was with Isaiah. And let's make it personal for a minute. Have a little thing. Uh, is there anything in that kind of presence transforming? Is there anything that you would like to see a transformation in you? You know, think about it. Engage with it. Just maybe not quite as dramatic as that, but, you know, the presence of God, the transforming presence of God. We have to bring it into our situation. You go into a home where there's a storm going on. Oh, it's not quite the same as Jesus quelling the storm or meeting with somebody. Jesus met with a woman at the well. I think Jamie last week talked about meeting with somebody at the water cooler in the office and having God's word for them because you're carrying the presence of God, or having them talk to you because somehow there's something in you that causes them to be able to do that, to be able to talk with you. See, he's just the same. Bible tells us yesterday, today and forever, he's just the same. And he's talking to us at this time about the presence the presence which is transforming, the presence which is primarily that we come into that place of embracing the very birthright that he has made provision for us to have. Still doing those same things today. Just that, that thought just continues to grab me. The same Jesus that was doing that is still doing it today. And I can be part of that. It looks a little different. He looks a lot like me this Jesus in what he's doing. It looks a lot like you in Jesus, what you're doing. I was thinking about, we've all wanted, we want to see Barkin and Dagnum change. And we've always kind of drifted towards seeing how it changes in the, in the kind of the policy area. But on Tuesday at the prayer meeting, when everyone stood up in, in a big circle, I sat, next, sat in front of um, Dennis Wright. And I thought, wow, Barkin and Dagnum changes because Dennis Wright's neighbours live next to Jesus. He's there. The same Jesus is there. 
And that's what he's inviting us to. He's going to zip his Jamie suit on and going to walk around. It's going to look like me, but I don't want it to be me anymore. I want it to be him. I want, I want to be transformed because God's presence transforms. And that's what's on offer. And I was thinking about Terry's, uh, Terry's line at the Leaders Weekend, the presence transforms, reminded me of that Matt Redmond song. Um, I'm coming up the, the mountain. I know that I will be transformed. And we all like to sing that, but there are implications with that. And when you begin to think about, almost as a question, am I willing to be transformed? carrot of it is great, but the cost of it is actually pretty, pretty interesting. So what, what would it sound like if I'm not willing to be transformed? Well, it sounds like, yeah, we, our marriage, we're going through a few problems at the moment. Oh, well, can, can I help? I'll come back to you on that. Or oh, my finances are in a, a bit of a mess. Oh, we, we've got people that can help with that. Okay, I'll, I'll come back to you on that. I've kind of got this nagging issue with this person, but it's not a big deal. Am I willing to be transformed? It's nice to sing it on a Sunday morning, a song like that, but it has daily implications. Am I willing to be transformed? Am I willing for these things to change? The children of Israel came to a mountain that God was descending on, Mount Sinai. And they were invited to come up the mountain, and they chose not to. They said, no, 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 if, if, if we go, we, we'll be killed. Now, first of all, that's a, a wickedly misunderstanding, misunderstanding of God. He doesn't invite you close to kill you. That's not the nature of God. But he does invite you close to the heat so you'll be purified. And so really the issue was they didn't want to be purified. They didn't want to let go of their impurities. They didn't want to sort out those nagging issues that just remain there. So they weren't willing to be transformed. And they continued to know God's presence to some extent down in the valley. They had the tabernacle set up and the presence of God came there. They knew who they could run to when things went bad. They had great times of knowing God's provision meeting their needs, and knowing that they were God's chosen people. That's, that's all pretty good. It's all pretty nice. We could settle for that. But they didn't have what Moses had, who went up the mountain and spoke face to face with God, like one would do with a friend. And that's the intimacy that he's inviting us to. Are you willing to be transformed for it? There's a, there's a seriousness to this. Richard Griffin was uh, talking to the leaders about the story of Abram preparing a sacrifice for God, and he's waiting there all day for, for God to, to turn up. And it said a terror descended upon him. Isaiah said, woe is me. I have unclean lips, and I'm of, I'm of people of unclean lips. There was a sense of, whoa, something serious here. Whenever an angel appeared, so not even all of the glory of God, the first thing they had to say every single time, don't be afraid. <laughs> it says in Hebrews 10, 31, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of of the living God, about the intimacy that he's offering us. It's like when you're getting closer to the sun, the things start to melt off. Do, do you want to be transformed? God's invitation to intimacy isn't just something we can just tack on to our normal life. It's not just that warm fuzzy that we sing when the chords progress in the right order. If you're not willing to be transformed, stay away from the mountain, but know that you're rolling backwards. Because the blessing, pursuing the blessing, enables me to live comfortably with my current setup. That's what the children of Israel opted for. The birthright says, 
anything for the kingdom. But imagine that offer. The same offer that Moses had. Talk face to face with God as one would talk with a friend. That's what he's offering us in these days. Friendship with God. Hmm. Really an amazing thing. That the maker of the universe loves us, gave his life for us, but actually also wants to be friends with us. It takes takes a revelation of the Holy Spirit to, to really get hold of that. But here we are, John 15, verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. And everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. How do we do that? How do we gain or keep in that position? Well, again, he says this earlier in the same passage, John 15, he says, Remain in me and I in you. You remain in me and I in you. So how how do you do that? How How do you remain in Christ and he in you? Well, Galatians 5.19 says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. See, God has placed his Spirit within us to enable us to actually live according to how he tells us to live. And the Spirit of God is not a kind of um, there but not active, not a kind of dormant. So the Spirit of God, he says this, um, if we walk by the Spirit, you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. And it works like this. Uh, it's like a warning gong. You know, uh, on the computer when you try to do something that you're not allowed to do, it's a, it's a sound I hear very often. Uh, it goes, good dying, good dying. And you know, oh, you can't do that. Well, the Spirit of God does the same thing. There is something... Frankly, let's be real. We can't live God's way, to God's plan and God's order if we didn't have God to help us. He helps us to live his way. And the way he does it is there's just that little, I don't know how else I would describe it. It's a little sort of warning point, a little g'doing. And we know, uh uh-oh, this is not what we need to be doing this is not where I need to be going this is not the attitude I need to have walk by the spirit that is by allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and you not gratify the desires of the flesh Jamie spoke last week talked about um, holding his youngest son William and uh, how uh, William will he'll be holding him but he'll push away some things um, and uh, also grab hold of some things. But what, what God does, he, he's there to help push away, but also to help draw in close, to draw us to what he wants. Pushes away what's not good, like we talked already about uh, Lisa when she was baptised. The Spirit of God has pushed away that addiction thing so that she should come out clean and free. This is the supernatural God. This is not making resolution. This is God's power at work 
uh, amongst us and in our lives. Helps to resolve. Pulls what is, what is good, brings it to us. Opportunities to serve and, and uh, increase sensitivity to the need of others. Determination that goes beyond personality. You know, we press through because, because it's God at work in us. Not limited to natural ability. I am not just natural. You are not just natural. Oh, I'm only natural, brother. Of course, along the way, we catch the very qualities of Christ himself. That DNA, that love that works within us and through us. That compassion. Remember it so often it said, Jesus, first being moved with compassion. There's something, again, it's again like that roar of the Holy Ghost that kind of comes up from within because we're not just natural, we're supernatural. Have his compassion. And we don't grieve the Holy Spirit simply by refusing his prompts because to know to do good and not to do it is sin. We, we seek to do what he gives us to do. I love the story about David who ran once he'd got the instruction, once he knew what God had given him to do, he ran to the enemy. He ran to Goliath. He didn't stop considering, weighing, deliberating and thinking. He ran to Goliath. Shortened the time between the command and the action. No point in dwelling in the valley of indecision. So how do you give attention to this? Well, when you hear the gong, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. You've got to follow it. Don't rationalise it. Well, well, it might have been I, you know, I had too much cheese for supper or something like that. You, know, it's, it, you can easily rationalise things away. Oh, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking that because somebody else said it. Mm. You know, take time to consider, to ask. Lord, what do you want in this situation? Huh. Mm. You speak to me like that. i got something to say to you. You cut me up, and I cut you up. But is that what God wants? Oh, that spoils all my fun. Well, it actually brings you into a greater fun. It doesn't spoil it. It brings you into the fun of his truth and living in his way. Taking time to consider acting on the nudge. Well, I wasn't sure. What do you do when you're not sure? Remember, this is a friend. The friend working that we're working with. What do we do when he's not? We're not sure. It's okay to ask again. Yeah, Bible tells us that. He, he doesn't kind of turn around and, and rebuke us for asking, Lord. Uh, can you just clarify? Could you confirm that? Would you maybe even use somebody who loves me and cares for me, who's close to me? Very key when. We don't just put it, don't just show of it, but actually are prepared to say, Lord, I'm open to this. Could you confirm it? He's a friend. You're not on your own. I had a great story uh, from Rachel the other day about friendship. She was going, she was going to the airport to get Leah. Was that the Leah? And she looked on the sat-nav and there was, there was some problem on the road and, and she, she admits she's not the most confident of doing those things. And then she needed to get petrol, and then she was worried if she wouldn't get there on time because there was a diversion. And she said she talked to God, and she felt God's presence with her. How about that? God's presence with you. 
going to the airport. I mean, you know, not the most exciting ride. It's not about the delight of it. It's about the presence of God. And she was not, of course, she arrived in plenty of time and everything worked out. But to be conscious of your friend riding with you. Isn't that something that you think, hmm, that sounds like, that sounds like what I want. Yeah, anybody say yes to that? Yeah. The reality of his presence being so strong that you're actually conscious of him. Friend who goes with you. God came along for the drive. Friends, not servants. It's a really important thing. Let's, let's, let's get this one. See, he calls us to work with him, never just for him. I'm working for God. Well, you're working with God. He calls us to be partners, to be friends, working with him. And the picture that he gives us, again, uh, Terry spoke to us about this. Uh, Take my yoke upon you, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, is the scripture. Um, and it talks about the yoke being easy. Now, in the Greek, uh, in the original Greek, the word is, is more translated well-fitting. It fits well. And he was telling us that he talked with, a, um, I think when he was in Botswana, was it? Botswana, yeah. Uh, he talked with a farmer that used oxen. And the farmer told him that, that the yokes are, are custom-made, individually designed for each oxen. Uh, and uh, I thought, wow, individually designed, yeah? You know, God so loves us, calls us to work with him, calls us to be yoked together with him, but the yoking is individually designed, is what he was communicating at that point. Now, a friend knows how to work with somebody. Let, Let me give you an example. Uh, Avril is my friend most of the time. Fernando is my friend all the time. Working with one of them, uh, we won't get into names, just wants to get the job done. And there has to be, no, we have to do it like this or it won't work out right. The other one is, it has to be perfect. My adjustment is, I just want to get it done. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's like when I'm working, me, working same with the other one, Now, I'm tempting to say, you see, there's a different way of working with each one. One of them, you'd never have to be saying, no, let's do it right. The other one, you'd have to have a different approach. Let's get to a successful conclusion. Now, I don't want you kind of working out who's who, because this is personal stuff, all right? Here's my point. The father by the Holy Spirit, knows us. We're individually designed with individual yokes, knows just best how to work with us. That's the nature of his love. That's the nature of his care. He's our friend. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. He knows that we're not the same. Doesn't make us the same. He lives with the fact that we're different. But this yoke is designed so that we can work together with him as his friends. You know, boys were growing up, even now. I like to have them working with me. It changes. used to be them working with me. Now it's probably me more 
run and get this, run and get that while I do the job, you know. But the fact of the matter is, I enjoyed, and I enjoy working with them. I had different abilities. It really not, wasn't about their ability, it's about the closeness. Now again, I don't want to be personal, but some uh, had a more uh, practical approach than others. Some were more entertaining in their... Uh, in their approach. Thought we worked with them differently. The joy is working together, not just achieving the job. Serious thing to ask for his presence. And brothers and sisters, I, I, I think that's why we're coming back on this. I listened to that um, stuff from the Terry. As you get opportunity, uh, it's really good to listen to those of you who didn't hear it for the first time, those of you who have already heard it, there's a, there's a richness in that. Do you know what struck me? I listened and went through carefully to what Bernard brought us and what Terry brought us. I'm hearing the same message. Same message. And I'm thinking, wow, God is, God is sending his servants. He's obviously serious about what he's saying. And his mercy, because of the seriousness of it, his mercy leaves us without, like the story that Bernard told, without excuse. We're held accountable for what he's invested in us and spoken to us and shown us. What we choose now is not just for ourselves. It's about for all that God has called us to be and to do and to the, for the future generations that will benefit or suffer from it. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.